Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation through the donate button on the website to help us offer unique audio, video, and text-based teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Michael's teaching bridges the gap between inner healing and social change by synthesizing traditional spiritual teachings with the insights of the West. To learn about Michael's international retreats and workshops, please visit michaelstoneteaching.com. Thank you for your support. A teacher, and uh, I was sick. And at some point, I went to see him, and I said, "I think I have to go home. I'm too. I'm so sick, you know." I, and uh, he was, um, he was saying, "Oh, but you know, like what? I don't understand. You know what? What? Uh, what's your point of view on this? You know, like when you die, you're not going to decide the conditions you'll be in. It might not be exactly comfortable, you know." <laughs> It might be uncomfortable. Could you attend to your health and stay practicing, you know, while you're... And uh, I was kind of discouraged when I said... And, and then I decided to stay. And it actually turned out that there was a lot of life there. Maybe not the life that I would have chosen, but there was life there to attend to, to care for. It turned out to be a beautiful retreat uh, with the fullness of, you know, all the aches and pains, you know, and... Uh, there was life there that uh, I could care for. So, I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm just sharing with you my experience. This is my experience now. Is the body's a little achy and, you know, things are not fine and dandy. So let me start this thing. Okay. So... <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, with this theme of, uh, we called it the political body, or the, I think of it as engaged spirituality or Buddhism, or something like this. Um, I, was, uh, I was saying to Michael and my friends, uh, Janet and Don, that saying, I feel there's a little... Uh, a little disbalance here. As I'm sitting here, you know, there's uh, Michael and I, the two guys sitting there, and then just behind us, there's the Buddha, another guy, and in the building, you feel the presence of Jesus, you know, oops, another guy, and we're at the Jesuits uh, place, you know, the bunch of guys. <laughs> I was like, wow, sacred feminine, <laughs> where are you? You know, like, uh, where's the... You can see Mary there? Good. <laughs> Marisola, you can see Mary. Okay. And uh, so I, uh, I thought it would be good to bring the voices of uh, some of the female uh, elders. And to me, it's, it's, um, in, it's very easy to do in these circumstances here. Uh, because I was thinking of, uh, I mean, the two names that came to, to mind really strongly and have been with me for years now, and especially preparing for the retreat. So everything like really felt like it was coming together. It was like, of course, I want to talk about Joanna Macy and her work. You know, so I'm one. I'm just curious by a show of hand, how many of you know of the work of uh, Joanna Macy? So I'm going to be presenting ideas of around her work and. Um, Another person that is really much with me when I think of um, uh, the depth of our spiritual practice, of our meditation practice, of our eightfold path, you know, the, the, the power of it in, in its engagement with the world is also uh, Ansan Suchi, who's um, the leader of the Democratic Party in uh, Burma and who has been fighting for years for um, you know, freedom for her people. And she, uh, and she is a meditator. She's a, she's a, a born Buddhist, but also a, a very much a practitioner. And she has received instructions from the teachers that are part of this lineage here. Uh, I was just mentioning uh, uh, Sayada Upandita, you know, who told me that I should maybe be 
with the sickness, you know. And I think she received instruction from that teacher also, who told, you know, told her how to bring uh, clarity to this mind and power to this mind, how to empower this heart-mind and to actually go ahead and do non-violent work in an uncompromising way. And so to me, these two people, Joanna Macy and Ansan Suchi, are really expressions, uh, living embodiment, expressions of, um, of engaged practice, spiritual practice, very much so. Um, so many times I've read articles about or interviewing Ansan Suchi and I've always uh, loved her deep patience and clarity, the mixture of uh, the way that she has never talked against uh, the, how do you call it, the military junta, la junte, yeah, who's, uh, and has always been uh, uncompromising in her critique of them, but never personalizing the conflict, never any hate in there. And I, every time I read about her thoughts and how she's doing, I'm always deeply inspired to both practice and be engaged, both equally, because I can see in her discourse, in her way of presenting uh, her views, that she's done her inner work. You know, she, most of you must know that she had 19 years or so of house arrest, where she was in her house, so lots of time to meditate and consider life, you know. And so the clarity that comes out of this is extremely... Uh, and also, something that I'll relate maybe in a few minutes to um, Joanna Macy is the sense that I get of her of deep time. A deep time, a time that is she is aiming for freedom for her people. She has no idea how long it will take. She doesn't care. She, the, there's a clarity about the direction. She's not about... Uh, the fruit, like, I want it now, you know, there's no clinging in that, there's really like, this is what is right, and I'm going to voice my, you know, take my voice and my power, whatever I have, to keep going with this uh, idea of, you know, freedom for my people, and there's no, uh, there's not the clinging that it has to happen in a certain time frame, even, probably a great sense of urgency, but no clinging that I can detect anyway. So to me, it talks about um, a depth of practice and uh, insight, not just that she's put her hours, it's actually, it had led to insight for her mind to be so clear and so caring. Her political action seems to me very clearly to come from compassion, from love, not from hatred. And probably maybe there's some distortion that comes in her mind sometimes late at night, you know. But I bet she's able to realign, realign with uh, uh, her values, with uh, the kind of uh, the more most wholesome ways to uh, to um, you know go towards her, her her goal for her people. Anyway, so that's kind of a little homage to Ansan Suchi who uh, is a symbol, I think, an archetype of what we're talking about, what we're trying to explore here this weekend. Uh, she would, in my mind, she would be like outside the door on our line, you know, that we were doing yesterday. She would be like, there, five, no time for the line. I'm on, I'm on the battlefield, you know. Um, another one would be way there on the wall or past the wall beyond would be Joanna Macy, who's been... Um, is a, for those of you who don't know her, she's 85 now, and unstoppable, 85, like, and you can't stop this woman, you can't stop her um, care, you can't stop her dedication, you can't stop her authenticity, she's really real when she talks uh, about the world, she's a Buddhist scholar, she's a um, also a system theory scholar and a deep ecology scholar and an activist who's been she's been out there since the days of Chernobyl and even before that probably but traveling the world and really uh, inspiring people and uh, 
I, my personal encounter with her work, I really hope this is going to be re relevant. I, I, think, I think we're in the field of what we want to talk about, but you know, I, I hope so, anyway. Um, after a number of years of practice, I don't know how I ran into this book. Maybe somebody lent this to me or something. It's a, the book is called Coming Back to Life. It's a series of um, exercises and things that one can do with other people in community to um, reconnect ourselves with the, um, our connection with the world, you know, and the suffering of the world and the beauty of the world and in order to uh, make us become more engaged. Anyway, so I know nothing about nothing. Somebody lends me this book and so I start reading this. I find this very beautiful and uh, the theory around this is very touching and then there's a, most of the book is going to be about exercises you can do with people. So I get to the first exercise, I start to, oh, so you get a bunch of people, you sit in a circle, and then you start, and then she described one, and then I start, I'm home alone, I remember I'm in the, in the guest bedroom up there, and I'm reading this book, and I just imagine people sitting and talking about their love for the earth, and uh, their love for justice, and their love for um, equality, you know, and in these different forms. And I cry and cry, and I read the whole book, crying and crying and crying. And after I went online and said, like, where is this woman? I have to meet her. And I had the chance to do a few workshops with her, a few retreats and day-longs and things like this. And, um, and uh, I've been very inspired by her. And what I want like to do now is to present a little bit uh, the framework of uh, how she sees the world we're in and what is possible. So we could call the work she does the great turning. It's the great turning. So in her mind, there's been the um, uh, agricultural revolution, which was a great revolution in the story of the world. And followed by that, there's, there's been an industrial revolution. That was a great revolution. It changed a lot of things on the way we experience the planet and the world. And she says there's another revolution happening. It's not talked about much in the media, but it's, it's happening. It is what she called the great turning. It's this other revolution. And what we're doing here would be very much part of this. So I brought this because I thought it, I could... Uh, it's the first time in my uh, teach, Dharma teacher career that I'm actually going to write something on the board, you know. So next time you come, there'll be some kind of uh, PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> maybe. But... Uh, so... Agricultural revo revolution, industrial revolution, and now this other revolution is uh, going from what um, she called the uh, industrial growth society, where it's all about the growth and the acquiring and the making stuff, and everything is around this. The industrial growth society moving, that's the revolution, moving towards the life-sustaining uh, society. Do you recognize something in there when we talk about, you know, organic farming and the organic food that we start to buy now and we like all the different ways so this is the, the movement that is happening uh, the way she talks about this she says the industrial growth society is not sustainable it's going towards a, it's a dead end it's either gonna we don't have to make it die it's gonna die by itself you know but we can uh, maybe allow it to die maybe a little bit more quickly or, you know, in a way that is not so shocking for everybody and not so um, life-killing, I could say, you know, and, and create this life-sustaining society. And so, okay, so the image is really brought you like, whoa, my God, he's starting really large. I'm going to try to come in, come in to see what we're doing here in the hall in terms of that movement towards life-sustaining society. And why also I want to talk about this? Because it's the personal way that I understand my work. This is how I frame in my mind what I'm doing day in and day out, week in and week out. I teach retreats all over the place. I 
teach the group in Montreal. I, like I do a lot of this kind of thing. I love doing it because it's a beautiful work. But I, in the back of my mind, this is the framework. This is my contribution to the world. Saying, oh, I'm participating in the life-sustaining society in this way, humble way, this best way that I can. And the, for this to happen, to be successful, to go from uh, this industrial growth society to a life-sustaining society, there has to be, according to Joanna Macy, three things that must happen that are very important, three fields. This is where I, it gets really interesting for me, I hope for you too. She said there has to be, absolutely, you can't do without this, there has to be, I'll call this actions, political actions, to stop the disruption. So let's call it actions. So there has to be people who stand up and say no to the pipeline, if that feels like it's the most dangerous thing that can happen right now, you know. So there has to be some kind of, all kinds of ways, you know, standing up, tying yourself to the trees, uh, doing um, work with um, lawyers and people who know, the, you know, trying to stop the damage. So she said, if there's none of that that is done, it's not going to happen. It's extremely important, you guys. We have to do actions. Stand up and say, no, that doesn't work. This is abusive. This is oppressive. This doesn't include the people from that area, you know? Also, this is a vast field, you know? Of course, you know? And some of us are very active in that. And some of us are active in little pieces of that here and there. We have our, it's either global, that what we do, or it's local. In a way, it's not that important. It's that we're active somehow. And some of us more than others. But that's one of the key points. Another thing that Joanna says that is extremely important, she said, if we don't do this, the revolution is not going to happen. And when she talks, she's very honest. She said, I have no idea if we're going, if we're doing kind of a, uh, deathbed care, you know, like end of life care. As she said, I don't know, maybe that's what we're doing. Maybe we're trying to, we're helping this humanity die. Maybe that's what we're doing, or maybe we're in the revolution. But actions are needed, and then creating, uh, I'll call this new structures here. So there's three things. So these are very important, these two. So people have to sit together and say, how are we going to produce food? You know, that doesn't work. You know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to include this? How are we going to do with health, education, you know, uh, social justice, oppression, etc.? So finding new forms of community living. I, I don't know, all the many ways. How can we live without cars or less cars? Transportation of goods, you know, etc.? So, and now this is the other one, the third one. Without the three, not possible. So she's not saying, okay, you can do with these two. She said this one, and this is where we're arriving in this hall here. And so here's the, how could I call this one? Um, not seeing with new eyes, that um, um, inner work. Let's call it inner work. So these are the three branches. When we come on retreat like this here, we're doing the deep work of re-evaluating our values, maybe. Thinking about what are my values, you know, like what are my habitual values? And maybe I have some values, but how do I live them? Or what are the values that I live? Do I live, do I have, hold some kind of values of sharing and, and caring? But in my day-to-day -day life, maybe not. Maybe I'm more into the acquiring values, you know, and I don't notice it. So I come in places like here to listen very, very deeply. And lots of things happen here, she says, are extremely important. There's a switch of perspective, a switch of... Um, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Perception, a switch of perception of who I am. And to me, that's where I rec recognize that we're, we're really uh, doing this work here because of the, what we're doing. Vipassana, insight, is a switch of perception. 
deep switch of perception that is not possible through just thinking about it. One has to sit with the instructions given by uh, Michael this morning and sit and put in the hours to calm the mind that is scattered and has all kinds of ideas about things. Gather the mind so the mind can really feel reality. So feel in, in, in this feeling there's a the, we're becoming sensitive again. Look at what we're doing this morning. Can we just hear? Can we be in the hearing? Really hear? Be sensitive again. Be touched by the world, you know? And in that, the switch of perspective can happen. I was hearing Michael this morning saying, this, the hearing is not outside. The sound is not outside. It's not inside. It's there. It's alive in the encounter. This is the... It's, it, this morning it was... Uh, suggested, but in our practice we want to have insight, realize this, discover this for ourselves. Oh my God, I am not separate. This is deep work that we're doing here, doing this, realizing these kinds of, having these kinds of insights. They're not easy to do. They need very particular conditions, very carefully set conditions. Um, and a lot of engagement. And one of the ways that the revolution could fail is that people would just not take care of this. They would say, we have to do that, you know? And they, maybe the action would come from hatred, cruelty, from uh, uh, blaming, instead of realizing, oh my God, we're all in this together. We're, the greed is inside of me also. The delusion, the not taking in the fullness of what's happening is also in me. It's not just in the corporation, you know? And so my sense is like, we're, we're doing this and it's extremely important and it doesn't get so much airtime. It's seen so often as wishy-washy, new agey. Uh, you know, it can be presented like this. Uh, so that's why I love this model so much because we're really part of this movement here as we do this, but it's not enough. If we were to like, oh, we're all one, you know, it's all about discovering this, the revolution would fail. It would really be uh, probably a death uh, bed attendance that we would do to this, uh, this, uh, this, this planet we're on. And again, uh, maybe not again, maybe for the first time, I want to say, you have your own critical mind here, your own experience, your own studies, your own study of all this. So I'm presenting uh, the way I understand it, the way I'm touched by it. So it's a kind of a personal presentation, although it's like, you know, the whole, uh, three points. And things. This is not so much me. I'm talking about my inner experience and I understand it. And so it might fit how you understand what we're doing or not. Or it might be just enough for you to reflect and clarify your own ideas about what we're doing here and why it's so important. In that uh, aspect of the inner work, that's what um, she talks about as the, the work that reconnects. She calls it the work that reconnects. And some, I just want to say a few more words about parts of this work, the different um, aspects of this work that I recognize here in what we're doing. And also, I'm saying all this because tonight we're going to, um, Michael and I are going to invite you to do one of the exercises of uh, Joanna Macy. Um, so, in the way that de she develops this one, there's another circle, maybe I'll do it in four parts. She says, when you start to do this work that reconnects you to the world, that will allow you to become engaged and not numb, you know, and, or be in denial or be in, um, be in a frozen mode or flight mode or panic mode, you know, all these kinds of uh, ways we can be when we open the news, you know, a channel and we see what's happening, we, we might get overwhelmed. Not good for society that we're overwhelmed because then... We can, we can be of help, we can collaborate anymore, we can, you know, if we get like, ah, can't deal with this, it's too much, not good for us, you know, so we're trying to find some kind of balanced capacity to meet the world, 
do you recognize something with what we do here? A balance. You were talking about this this morning uh, at the last um, presentation you did. You know, yes. so something about balance, a balanced mind that uh, gains confidence in its capacity to be with what is difficult, to be with what is pleasant, to be with what is not much. You know, instead of you know the neutrality, instead of falling into um, boredom or agitation because there's not much, the capacity to be with not much, to be with things not changing so quickly, the capacity to be with what is difficult. So she says, the first step that I recommend people do and what she does in her workshops and, um, is she invites people to uh, bring some gratitude in, to talk about what they love about the world. So that's the kind of a, the first fluid you would bring in this work is the, the recognition of, of what is beautiful, what you care about. This is going to be the juice there. You know, that what will make you do your inner practice? Stand up and say, that doesn't work. Because I care so much about this world, I know what I care about, I feel, I have access to it. You know, I can feel how it touches me, the beauty of this world and the beauty of the relationship, the beauty of equality. When everybody's included, I know how it feels. I, this is what I want to feel. So when you do this, it doesn't feel right to me. It's not inclusive in this way. You know? And so she says, take time to feel what you love about the world. And in my view, we do this here. It's a very Buddhist thing to do. In, Buddhist, in Buddhism, in the eightfold path, the kind of complete spiritual path, there's one little branch that is right, wise effort. One of the eightfold, onefold, is wise effort. And the wise effort that the Buddha talked about was to recognize the wholesome and nourish it, you know. And so that's part of the work we have to do is to be sensitive be, and become conscious deeply, fully conscious. Be mindful of what works well in this life, inner life, outer life, internally, externally. So we sit here And we appreciate maybe the fragility of life and the fact that it's actually happening now in a safe way, just now here. Oh, look at that, it's raining and we're protected, you know. There's the beauty of the rain that is falling. And then there's the beauty of the heart that can stay there, you know, and you can say, oh, the mind, heart is interested. We can see this, we sit in meditation and that's what I notice and I say, oh, It's just engage. It's meeting the world. It's meeting the sound. Look how wholesome is that? The capacity to just be there with something extremely simple, with a quality presence. So that is, to me, uh, uh, talking about appreciating. Appreciating what is beautiful in a human soul. You know, and that it's there. Oh, this is there. Is there in this? In the practice we do, there's a lot of... Um, It's very inferential. Is that the right word? What I discover in this human being is I discover that it's in the other human beings. It's kind of the universality of what we feel. We feel the pain. We recognize it. That's the intuition that we, uh, we gain. As we feel the pain here, we have that's intuitive. We don't have to think about this or convince ourselves. When we sit here with the pain, we recognize that this is human pain. Others feel that too. In this way, it's inferential. Does, is that, would that be a word mm -hmm. that would fit there? And so, when I, when I, uh, when I touch into uh, the calm of this mind that comes sometimes, I can recognize the unpersonal nature of this, the beautiful nature of calm, but the unpersonal nature of it also. Oh, it's not so much mine, it's calm. Calm has a certain texture. I know intuitively that others have access to this. This is the beauty of care. Care is amazing. I want to stay alive. I want others to be alive so we can all cultivate care, you know? And so that is the, to me, I see it as the first part of the work of gratitude, of appreciating what works well, discovering what is beautiful in there and what we can enhance, <coughs> celebrate, cultivate in ourselves and in others. 
So in Joanna Macy's work, there's the work of gratitude. Sometimes, and we might do this, sometimes the way she does it will be with open sentences. We'll say, oh, get two by two and tell somebody about a place you love. Just so you get to hear and feel mudita when somebody will say, oh, there's a lake that I went to when I was a kid, you know, and it was so beautiful at this lake. And so we re- the work that we connect, we reconnect with what's beautiful with human beings. Here we do this too. When we, you know, we go to the food line and somebody let us go first or I always forget some kind of fork or spoon and I'm always like, oh, well. And somebody's like, yeah, of course, go. Grab a spoon, you know. And I'm like, oh, look at the beauty. I can appreciate this, you know. So one of the open sentences we could do is Tell me something you love about this world or about the beings around you. I could say, well, people sometimes are generous. They do these little acts of generosity and it creates such a beautiful sense of community, of safety. So, the work of gratitude. This is preparing the ground for work that is not easy to do. It's the second. There's going to be four that I'm going to name. So, the second aspect or the second part Should I write it down? So this one here becomes gratitude. And this is preparing the ground for what she calls despair work despair work. So in the despair work, it's kind of one of the core aspects. I mean, there's four, so that's, that's the second one. In the despair work, we, in this work that reconnects us with the whole of life, she has a book, Joanna, that uh, she, she calls um, World as lover, world as self. That's the title of the book. So it talks to you about the person, you know, like she's the world as lover and the world as self. Amazing thing. It's expansion of the sense of self. And so she says, we have to feel the pain of the world, the personal pain that we feel in our personal lives community pain, the global pain. She says we have to find a way to do this, not a way that will shut us down, you know, but the way that we can open to the pain of the, the, all the different kinds of suffering. First noble truth, if you know a little bit of the, the, you know, the, the Buddhist theory. You know. So she's inviting us to really feel what is difficult to feel. This is what we're doing here. So we sit here, we appreciate what's beautiful, but we also learn to be with the ache in the body. We learn to be with the distress, discouragement, dejection, with the, you know, the, the anxiety when it shows up, the fear, all the different difficulties that there is in this being here, the doubt. You know, we learn how to feel it, how to hold it, accompany these states and these experiences with nobility maybe, gracefulness, uh, skill, balance, you know. And so part of the work that she does when she travels around is do despair work. And so tonight we're going to invite you, we're going to, as a community, see if we can do some of this work of naming and looking together as a community at what is difficult in this world. So it's very much in line with the retreat, you know. What, uh, what is aching in our systems, our system, community, uh, globally, or however you want it uh, to be. <clears throat> so is there anything else I want to say about despair work? Sometimes she calls it honoring our pain for the world. 
Oh, so the main object of this also is to allow some kind of feedback loop so that we can, you know, we're touched again by the world instead of the kind of numbing out that we tend to do, you know, how can we be really touched in order to um, initiate or motivate action, you know, to say like, oh, I'm really touched by what's happening. I'm not numb to it. I'm not denying it. I'm not frozen in front of it. I'm not panicking in front of it. I'm actually feeling it deeply, which makes me want to respond appropriately, you know. So, <clears throat> that's the second part. The third part, she calls um, seeing with new eyes. And that's maybe something I already referred to earlier. Are you guys following me? Yeah? And so the other part is seeing with new eyes. It's a changing of, um, of uh, uh, perception that I was talking about. So one of, the, one of the things could be the expansion of the sense of self. She says, for example, that the, in this industrial growth society that we're attending the, the death of this growth society, she says, industrial growth society is very interested in you having a very individual sense of self that you see as having a, um, a lifespan of just, what, 40-some years, not the eight years that you might live, just the years that you'll be consuming you know, they will, the industrial growth society wants you to think of yourself as from the moment I can start buying something to the moment I stop buying something, you know. This is how all the messages it sends you through advertisement and stuff is around you as a consumer in this lifetime. This very, very narrow sense of self. And we are beings that are conditioned beings. So if we get this message a lot, then we start to think that I'm, my value is from the moment that I earn money to the moment that I stop earning money. This is where my value is, where I live, where I exist, you know. And anything about, apart from this doesn't really count, you know. So then I can consume. I don't have to think about the next generation or the seven generation after because that's, it's not my time frame. is not deep time. So she'll bring exercises around deep time, deep, so we can expand our sense of self and our sense of time, and suddenly feel like, oh my God, amazing. I thought that my view of myself and my world was a description of reality. My view about myself and the world are not a description of reality, they're just a limited perception. And I take it to be what is real. But it's not real, it's just a perception of reality. What I'm saying here now, to me, if you were to ask Pascal, Pascal, what do you think is the essence of the spiritual work? To me, in the last few years, I would have to say, from my point, my limited point of view at this point, is what I do on the cushion and what I've been doing and what I will do is only this clarify that perception is only perception, not reality. That what I perceive to be real, it might not be. It might just be a perception, a mirage, the Buddha used that image, you know. So my sense of self, separate, fragmented self, maybe it's, it's not a reality, maybe it's just the way it's perceived. Yeah? So in this work, uh, this is one of the aspects she calls it seeing with new eyes. This is not easy to do. We do this here through, mainly through vipassana, inside meditation. We sit and we pay careful attention, not assumptions, not concepts about what the world is. We want to touch it directly so it reveals its true nature. It's not easy to do. Because we all have, always have an idea about you know, the world, the world. We, we experience a little thing and then we go on ideas about this. Rain, moment of rain in the ear, of hearing rain. It's been raining for today. I wonder how my garden is. And is it going to seem like this tomorrow? Because I really want to go for a walk, you know? We have a moment of connection and then we're in a fictive world of a concept, ideas about the world. Here we try to enter the world and stay there so that we can, it can reveal its nature that is 
not so separate things from others, but more like a kind of a dynamic flow of things, you know, that how so not, so porous we are. I don't know if I'm doing a good job at this, but I'm going to continue anyway. <laughs> my perception sometimes comes in and say, you're doing a really lousy job. Thanks for, per- for perceiving it this way. <laughs> no, no. Um, maybe I'll give you a few examples of the, the, the things she does for deep time. There's a beautiful thing. Well, we might do it, we'll see. But maybe not, because uh, there's... a only so much time we're together, but there's a thing that she, uh, she does, I've done with her and I've led it sometimes also, is we do what she calls um, the walk of the ancestors. So I'm going to try to relay it so you can feel it. So what we do when we do the walk of the ancestors, we would be in a circle like we were uh, earlier this morning doing the walk, but what we would do is we would just be uh, standing like this, and then, maybe you... Now, I'll describe it to you. I think sometimes as storytelling, we can get things, you know. She would make you do it, but I'll, I'll tell you the story. So you would be standing here, we would all be standing here in circle, and then we would be invited to think about earlier this morning, how we were and what was inside of us, different mind states, and how we felt, and we would start to walk back in time. And how is it before we came here yesterday, you know, before we arrived as we were preparing, and how was uh, the spring and the winter, what was in the heart there, what was happening, what were the challenges and the joys, and what was in the last year, and in the last decade, it's, it's much slower than that, but think about the ways that you've been separated in the last decade from what you wanted, or what you loved, the ways you encountered, who you encountered, who touched you, what happened, what did you care about? Then you would move back towards the different uh, stages of your life. Who touched you as a teen, you know? as a child? Who held you? Who cared for you? Who showed you the values that you live with today? It's beautiful work, no? I don't say this like, I mean, I'm living in my own little world, but I'm being touched by myself. <laughs> and then you would uh, just move back in the belly of uh, your mother and be held there and feel the holding. And then move back again as you turn the corner over there and turn like this. And then uh, be there for the meeting of your parents be it beautiful or painful or, and all the struggles that there was in this relationship and then move uh, inside your grandparents and the life they lived and the struggle they had in the, the, maybe the financial crisis that they felt uh, personally or in the society at the time that they were alive and move back in time like this and start um, uh, continue thinking uh, and uh, of the gifts of the ancestors and the life of the ancestors and move back like this through wars and move back like this. you're doing this with your body so you're really embodied and you move back to the story of the world oh, and all the different discoveries and, the, and all the community life and the sharing and the taking care of each other and then you would move back until the very first step of the human beings in the savannah, you know, like I mean, you could, I mean, she's unstoppable during the Macy's. She might bring you into the primordial soup, you know. <laughs> like, and you going through all the, oh, and you were, you know, you didn't have uh, this technology yet, you know. You, you had only this technology, I don't know what, you know. And, but, and then when you were at the very beginning, then she would have you move back and then harvest the gifts of the ancestors. Harvest the technology of this this biology, how it came, you know, and then maybe there's one place that I like particularly is you're in Africa and you're just at the edge of the savanna and you're gonna go and explore the world and you have no idea what is coming. You have no idea personally, but you have no idea for your civilization. What is you have no idea of all the discoveries and all the crazy ways 
that you're going to start living, you know, checking email and things like that. You have no idea this is happening, but you're moving in. And of course, maybe it would be good to include in that walk of the ancestors all the horrors, all the, the ways that we have um, not cared for each other, you know, abused each other. You know. And so, the, so do you see this work of deep time is a way to move outside of the small realm of the me consumer, you know, and to move out, oh, there's a huge kind of um, transhumance, is that the word I could use, you know, the movement of a mass of beings, you know, and I'm part of this. In the deep time, sometimes she'll have us sit uh, together and uh, in groups of uh, four, maybe, and uh, deep time or deep self, or I mean, there's so many exercises. Let me think of one. Maybe we could uh, could we try it? What time is it? Let me check. That's it. Okay. <laughs> no. So another one would be to, maybe just to give you another idea, so we sit, we think of something that is happening in our society that is stressful for some of us, doesn't feel like a right choice we're about to make. I was talking about the pipeline, we were talking about it yesterday, was it the Keystone pipeline we were talking about? And so she would have you sit in a group of four and say, one of us is going to talk to the, uh, in the point of view of against the pipeline, you know, and what what is in what's that and then we're going to really listen to that viewpoint of you know the possible damages and pollution that can come out of this and, and so really consider this and then somebody else in the group will talk as the opposite view not, not making a caricature but really holding that view of we need to grow we need to make more profit or there's a need to uh, have our own oil that doesn't come from the other side of the something, you know. And then she would say, now the other voice that will speak is the voice of an endangered animal. We want you to speak as the, I don't know, the salmon that is having cancer now and that, you know, so speak, giving voices to all living beings. Yeah? And then you'll be the last one speaking and you speak from somebody who lives in seven generations and for whom there was the, da the, you know, the, the damage that was done by the pipeline or the absence of the pipeline and the nurturing of the land. You know? So go ahead, speak. So you see, when we do this, ooh, the mind opens uh, in ways. And so we start to see with new eyes that what happens. There's a little bit of a video I saw on YouTube, I think. It's... Uh, it's very beautiful. She's receiving a life award for her work. And so speakers come, you know, this person of that foundation is coming, you know, and they say, Joanna Macy, your work, blah, 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 blah. And at some point they say, we have a, sp we have a special guest. And somebody walks on stage, they go to the microphone, and they say, uh, I'm a geese. So they thought, we're going to bring her exercise she does to, uh, to, uh, to this you know, giving her the price, you know. And so this person spoke as the geese from the future whose life was saved, you know. And it was very, uh, very moving to, and this is the capacity we have. We have the capacity to feel so much wider, yeah. <clears throat> and the last bit here, is the appropriate response bit, and I've finished with this. And so here, uh, the appropriate response bit is to actually sit together in community and say, now that we've been moved and that we see more clearly, what are we going to do? What do we do? You know, and to actually. Uh, start moving towards these places here. Think of new structures, hold actions, say, let's do this, you know. And so, so what we're doing here, for me, 
it's uh, this this it's what we're doing here it's in this system that I view it and so this framing for me is um, seems like a right framing a wise framing a calming framing a contextualizing uh, framing that helps me do the work you know and go around and do this with people that's what I would like us to do with this that we would gain insight in order to get engaged in the world Whew. So there was many more things I wanted to say, but I covered some of it. I think that um, the way it could... Um, I truly hope that there was something in there for you that you know, inspires you or, or makes you curious that you want to investigate more or maybe a different framing that you would uh, use for this. But what we're going to do is uh, we're going to split into two groups and one group is going to maybe stay here with uh, Michael and another group will go with me in the big room uh, to the chapel to the chapel yes right okay so we'll try to fit in the chapel and then we're just going to have a group discussion about maybe about this and practice let's see we have an hour together to just uh, see what's going to emerge in this conversation I'm going to give maybe a few guidelines and you'll give maybe a few. I would like to hold this as a meditation, a group meditation where the listening is deep, the listening is sustained. You know, we give full attention. A being speaks, oh, what is that voice? That is an important voice in the community, you know, and try to let it do its thing and discover what's in there. And so, and at the same time, being aware of how I'm touched or impacted, the passing of judgments, the being inspired, the wanting to get in there and question or suggest, or you know, and just be aware of what, how this being uh, is in this conversation, and making space in between every interventions, so that we don't kind of like making I statements, uh, talking about your points of views, your experiences around stuff. I think maybe you, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we'll do that for an hour, and then we'll have a 15-minute break, and then we're going to have a yoga practice in here, and um, we'll make every effort to make yoga as accessible as possible. And Don will assist me also. And then after that, we have another short 15-minute break and then dinner, which is the highlight of the day. (laughs) And then it just goes downhill. (laughs) So dinner will be in silence, and we'll come back here uh, for the exercise in the evening. And then I'll explain to you what the exercise will be when we get here tonight. And you'll be able to decide how you want to participate, you know. I hope this works for you. Yeah. So let's, I think, did we say it was 19 people? Or? Yeah, so why don't we do this, this half of the room will be with Pascal, we'll count, count uh, in the chapel, and this half will be with me, and then tomorrow we'll switch. <laughs> <laughs>